0: I really liked the book. I think I've read it before. Um, I remembered it because of the stone, the beat or whatever that was called. Um, I remember just the the whole stone deal. Um, It was a great book. I really liked it. Um, Especially, I like the description you know the grass and the feel of the air and the—I mean—it's almost like you were there. It was a really good, well-written book, I thought.
1: Okay, we're back. We're at the February thirteenth, two thousand fourteen meeting of the science fiction club, and we're talking about Star Trek number fifty by uh, called "Doctor's Orders" by Diane Duane and. I thought I was bored in some places and impressed in other places. Um, I was impressed. Um, the aliens she created were really pretty neat. They were more alien than most of the ones on Star T- on the original series, actually, um, and more worked out. Um, but I was bored with all the Klingon stuff, and, you know, I, I, I was never really that into Klingons, though there was one... There was one episode of The Next Generation that involved Klingons that I liked, but, um... that I thought was really good, actually. But, um... But, generally, I'm not really that interested in Klingons. And, um... That all And the ship battles at the end, you know, I get kind of bored with that sometimes. Maybe You know, I guess I might like them better on the show because you can hear the sound effects and everything. That kind of helps to make them better. But, but she did a good job with the aliens, um... Uh, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun and talking with the at whatever it was, well uh, pronoun- whatever it's semicolon. pronounced semicolon at. <laughs> um, and that was really good. She has she has some sense of wonder about her. You know she's her. You know Diane Duane does, and um, so that was good, um, sweetie. I and mean, mm-hmm. tell them about what you th- okay.
2: Uh, we have a new member here who came in uh, before you two arrived, Maria Campbell. And maybe we should let her uh, give her opinion.
3: Oh, now now, <laughs> Well, I liked it a lot. Um, I wasn't bored with the Klingons or the ship battles because they had lots of those in, in the original Star Trek. And, um, of course, good old Worf um, and Generations and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I liked the... Uh, the um, uh, the good feelings that Kirk had, and his his rest and relaxation, and how he didn't notice the passage of time, and all the wonderful descriptions, and I thought it was really funny. But the ornate, there, whatever those mylar balloon plastic liquidy things, remind me of those birthday balloons you get. You know, they're they don't they're not rubber, but they're plastic like mylar, whatever they are. I thought they would be like that and um, I don't know if anybody read read it on bard what what did what did the bard uh, readers call that uh, rock thing I just called it at but um as soon as I started reading about the rock the stone thing I thought about the episode of the Hordas if, if you guys recall um, they were doing something with the baby babies there were little stones and they were using them for something and then they fired a phaser at the horda and the doctor ended up fixing fixing it up um, with a a sack of cement.
4: First of all, my Tribble says hello in case you haven't heard it. He's a happy little guy. And uh, I did read it on Bard. I briefly looked at the Bookshare version, but I did read it on Bard. I love Chuck Benson's lively discussions and lively ways of, of uh, making McCoy say all those crazy lines, which is one of the reasons that it's, it's my favorite, one of my favorite books it's on my list. So I won't say any more about it, because I find it more interesting to find out what other people think.
2: Um, I liked it very much. Of course, I must admit having, you know, been used to hearing the actual series and them speaking in, in their actual voices that it- there might have been a slight letdown. I did feel that McCoy showed an unusual amount of brilliance in his strategies, which I question whether he as a doctor suddenly taking over the command of their ship would really be able to do that. That that seemed to me a little, a little far-fetched to me. But I did like the aliens and the description of the planets and everything. The Klingons were just sort of caricatured, character, character, really could be they mentioned for a moment there was a, re- a red-haired leader of the, t- of the of the klingon um exploratory team, team but she didn't seem to last long in the book i don't i don't think they they developed her character at all so i thought the klingon, klingons were a little bit uh, underdone you might say in the, in the way they were presented
4: well there was one place when they really showed their the, when remember when the captain of the ship said, now we are a peaceable species, but we will kill one for every whatever. I forget what the deal was. Uh, but I loved McCoy in this book. I just thought he probably felt that these guys had it coming for a good long time and Kirk hadn't really given them what they deserved. So it was McCoy's turn to do it. <laughs> I thought
0: he was great. <laughs> but then I said I wasn't going to say much. Sorry about that. Wouldn't it be interesting to see cuz if you remember I think it was at the end of the book where um McCoy said, "Yeah, I'll get you in some scrubs and and show you how it feels or something." Wouldn't it be interesting? And maybe there was an episode I don't know. Maybe there's a book I don't know, but wouldn't it be interesting to see Kirk in McCoy's place? <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. And yes, Martin, I have to agree with you. Some of the the uh, some of the things that McCoy tried were absolutely amazing. It's like, how did you know about that? And then also, um, I do remember the episode with the horda. I don't. It's like I remember it, but I I can't like. I know I saw it, but I can't really remember it. If that makes any sense.
4: Yeah, that was the one where a bunch of miners on this planet and they were finding these eggs or didn't look like eggs little pieces of of stuff and he they were just miners are kind of throwing them away and it was actually the eggs that the mother had laid and they were about to hatch but that's what it was these the the horda were destroying the miners and killing some of the mines actually actually. Going walking through the mines and, and messing them up because the horda have the ability to walk through rock like we walk through air apparently that's the whole thing but maybe that's enough to uh, give you an idea re- help you remember
5: well, I really enjoyed the whole book I didn't think the Klingons were in there too much um, McCoy learned his strategy from reading books about strategy, which would probably be a whole lot easier than trying to teach someone how to do surgery. Um, I was a little bummed out about a couple of minor scientific glitches. I only remember one of them. They were talking in the briefing about getting 80 terabytes of new memory. Uh, That seemed a little small to me now that we're talking in petabytes and exabytes Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed the book I like like seeing McCoy McCoy take over and run things
6: Mm -hmm. Um, I liked it one of the things that made the Klingon um, battles and um, encounters with the Orion's interesting was um McCoy's response to that pressure because he was out of his element and so I was so proud of him for being so resourceful and I I you're right, he did mention that he'd spent the night phoning up on books. I, I just was so floored when he said that he had killed the captain. Um you know, he did such a great job of bluffing and, and acting like you know, the tough guy. So that he could gain some respect and at the uh, with the Klingon um, adversary and it was also wonderful that he couldn't resist being a doctor and diagnosing him and you know he kept telling him go, you know is your is your doctor trying mm-hmm. to undermine your health you know, go to sick bay or or is he trying to kill you you know you're you're missing this vitamin and that nutrient, and you're not treating your condition and so it was a tough guy and a doctor at the same time
1: yeah and as far as the 80 terabytes goes i remember i noticed that and i just figured well this was 1990 and she um uh, she didn't uh she just underestimated the uh, progress of computer technology and uh so this is this is 24 years later so i gave i just gave her a little slack for that one but um since I'm here, I wanted to pass on Sherry Wells' uh, thoughts because she wrote to me and said that she is having a Civil War meeting this evening, and they switched it to the same Thursdays as the club, but they don't meet in the summer, and she doesn't have... she's not interested in every topic, so she hopes to make it to most of the meetings, but she liked the book. She said, who wouldn't be... who wouldn't be... uh, who wouldn't like the Star Trek book, but she thought that she was a little disappointed because... Uh, she thought the scene with uh, McCoy going down and calling the alien's son and then having to explain what he meant was a little dumb. She thought McCoy should have been smarter than that and should have known better than to have to say that and then have to explain it and all that kind of stuff. She thought that was not a very good scene in the book. But overall, she thought it was good.
6: They were all using idioms with the aliens that...
1: Deal with it.
6: Yeah. That That
1: was in there a lot.
6: Yeah, and I thought they should know better, that they should have been able to, at the very beginning, be more conscious of of their clarity. and.
1: Did Kirk ever say, deal with it on the show?
6: <laughs> I don't
1: think he ever did, did he? Okay, anyway.
4: Actually, no, he didn't. <laughs> that was uh, a show that they made in the 1960s, and NBC censors had all kinds of things that they couldn't say. Maybe that was one of them.
3: Well, I think they probably said it in the movies because they did a lot more damn and hell and all that in the movies than they did in the uh, original shows. But I, I thought that uh, McCoy was um, very funny and very human. His 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 uh, feelings of of uh, fright, you know, and um, and uh, and of course uh, he and Jim have I've uh, always had a really close relationship. So. Uh, you know, you learn from watching the Master and all that. But, um, and he's a southern gentleman, so he, he's kind of a country type of person. So I could see him saying, son.
4: Yeah, and if you read it on Bard, then you see how much, as I said before, how much life Chuck Benson brings into it, especially with McCoy. He goes down to Six Bay, Six Bay and barges in there and says... Okay, all you people, get well and get
0: out of here. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Um, I actually read it on Bookshare. And um, you know when um, the Klingon was saying Makoi, I could actually hear, because I think that I watched an episode, and don't ask me which one it was, but... I could, I could swear that I watched an episode where I heard a Klingon say "makoi," and I can, I can hear it in my head. I don't know which one it was, but I can hear it in my head.
5: I don't think it was a Klingon. I think it was uh, Julie Newmar um, playing the mother of the. Prince or king of a species, and she—I think she said it that way.
4: Yeah, I think you're right because I don't remember a Klingon talking to McCoy like that.
2: Was there an act, is there an actual movie uh, based on or, or, on this book, or the book based on the movie called Doctor's Orders? And if so, I wonder if it's about. I know on on um, the. Tech, the Mobile Net, they have a lot of of, of the of their movies. I wonder if that one would be there.
4: Nope, nope. This is a totally original novel. And uh, none of the movies have anything to do with any of this. Uh, this is Diane Duane at, at her original. In fact, she wrote another one called The Romulan Way. Um, there, there are at least three or four books on Bard by her. And this book called The Romulan Way is about a a fleet member, Starfleet, who goes and becomes a secret agent with the Romulans. And she gets so enamored with the way of life and fits in with the Romulans so well that she becomes one of them and abandons her Starfleet assignment. That's an interesting book, very, very interesting, because you get a feel for what the Romulans are like and uh, her way is a secret agent. This lady, um, but yeah, Diane Duane is one of the very, very original author and has some great ideas. So no, none of these books are are in any type of movie or episode. Um,
6: I really liked. I, I mean, I was really frightened at the part where, you know, of the Orion ship. It was so massive and I just could not figure out how they were going to survive that. I mean, it just seemed like a, like an, uh, an unconquerable foe. And I did love the fact that the Klingons kind of cooperated with the Enterprise and they, they worked together, even though they really had very little hope of, overcoming the, those pirates. And I also thought that the that the suggestion that the semicolon at people, uh, alien might be an angel, um, I, I did begin to guess that before it was revealed, but when it was revealed, you know, I'm very susceptible to warm and fuzzy things, and that was just, that was a delightful idea. Um, I remember too um, when McCoy was curing the rock um, character in the series. His hands were all dripping with goo, and wasn't that when he said he was beginning to believe he could cure a rainy day?
2: That was it. Yep. Was that it? Was that part of this book, or was that you referring to a different book or a different episode?
1: That was part of the series, the show, the original show.
2: Okay, very good. Job. I, I hoped I hadn't slept through that part. One of the interesting things I found in the book, and, and rather mind-boggling, was the way she, you know, described how the lived in in and out of the future and the in the past, present, in the future, and I, I found that almost beyond my my understanding. Especially, I didn't quite grasp how at the end Kirk returned and and. and I'm not sure exactly how they jumped into the future or back or something. like that. I sort of got lost there. But I thought that was very ingenious of her to present that.
4: Yeah, that was kind of a time travel sort of thing. Um, I'm surprised Sherry didn't comment about that because she's really into time travel stuff. But she probably was thinking of it. <laughs> I was thinking of her when I was reading that part. I like, too, the way that the ought, which is kind of the way they pronounce it, uh, at least that's the way they sit it out and did it on the bard recording, um, the ought suddenly appears on the Enterprise right at a crucial time. <laughs> that was great, because that was the last thing you expected it to do, to just kind of show up on the ship. But At least uh, everybody knew that there really was such a species,
0: because he shows up right there, right on the bridge. Could someone explain to me, I don't get the part where he's on the, Kirk is on the planet, and he meets um, the commander, I don't remember his name, but he meets him, and then he's on the ship, And I don't know, that part was really weird. I know it had to do with the whole um, time travel thing, but I don't understand how they met and what happened with that. I think that's what had me a
2: little bewildered also.
5: Okay. Kirk was, when Kirk was talking with the Ott, he was moved about sometime into the future. That's when he met the Klingon but then he got moved back into the past to go back on board the Enterprise and then he went forward in time so there were actually two Kirks for a while and the, uh, one of them actually was hiding away when uh, the, the Kirk met the Klingons on the ground if that makes any sense
0: that's definitely a Sherry deal. <laughs> wow. And then, of course, there's the p- point where uh, I think it's McCoy asks him at the end, so are you going to hide out and wait for yourself? And he's like, no, I think I've seen enough or something like that. There's no doubt that she was very, very uh, inventive
2: in presenting that, that thing. The only thing I was a little, you know, the, the, I, the uh, Orion par- Pirates – it would have been interesting to have gotten to get a more of an idea of what they were like as i mean were they actually just uh, renegade humans or were they separate aliens or that, that to me was a little underdone perhaps
5: they're a separate species um depending upon where you look at them the only place i've ever the, the first place we ever saw them i think was in the menagerie and Eva Marie Saint played one. And they, the, they have green skin. Uh, Their woman, women are super sexy. And you know, I think that's about the only place they were ever seen.
4: Yeah, was that? It was also in the cage, which part of the cage was um, put into the menagerie episode. The cage is a very, very first. Um, episode that was aired on nbc nbc is a pilot and nbc said that the cage was too quote cerebral (laughs) and they didn't want it so they they um had to create another episode where no man has gone before and nbc accepted it and so the show show went on the air but anyway the cage was yeah that was where you found out about the orion slave women and uh all that stuff. I, I think there was another episode where they were shown, because uh, I seem to remember that, but I can't think... I don't think it's got anything to do with MUDs women. No, that was androids. Um, there was some other episode, I think. I can't remember now what it was.
1: I don't remember the title of it, but the one with all the uh, Federation ambassadors going to the conference and there was some murder and uh, Spock's father needs an operation there was an a- the alien agent was uh, altered Sir, he was an Andorian but he was surgically altered to look like an, an, no no never mind I'm thinking of I thought he was an Orion uh, wasn't he an Orion he was surgically altered to look like an Andorian but he was an Orion wasn't he
5: yeah, and the episode you're thinking of is Journey to Babel.
4: I think that wasn't Orion, because he had to be altered from some hostile species. Because otherwise, why would they have to alter him in the first place? <laughs> yeah, I get these episodes mixed up, and I've seen him Julian times. <laughs> I still get him confused.
1: You hey, are you hearing the descriptive, one, the described ones? Uh, uh, you can listen to them every day if you will. Uh have the time and you're not busy at that hour
4: no i'm used to the original episodes so those are what i tend to listen to um i could probably benefit from the described ones but i'd rather not (laughs) it just kind of spoils
0: it marshall you could be good on a trivia thingy about star trek episodes that's funny
5: i just happen to remember the titles of my favorite episodes and The Trouble with Tribbles and Journey to Babel were the couple of my favorite ones. Um, I don't know how many others I remember.
4: Uh, the Star Trek uh, podcast that I mentioned in one of my emails this past week, um, today they did episode 79, which is the last one. And uh, next week they're going to do a wrap-up, just a discussion discussion of the whole original series and they're going to go on to the the uh, cartoons the uh, animated ones they're going to do two episodes a a week because they're so short there's not much to talk about with those but it's interesting that all the crazy stuff they come up with on what they think of all this uh, various people and the writers and all of that so it's uh It's been fun hearing all the descriptions of all these episodes uh, um, in the uh, podcast every week, but they're going to keep going with it.
1: We've got the original, we've got all the cartoon series here uh, in a little, in a whole DVD set. we got the whole series, and it was really interesting. Uh, Nickelodeon used to show them every uh, Saturday uh, evening. uh, 6.30, I think it was, or 7.00. And, uh, I didn't. I never saw them when they first came out. Most of them. I was. It was interesting to see they brought the kazenti from Larry Niven's Ringworld into the Star Trek universe. That was interesting.
0: Oh, that would be. I've never seen the cartoons of this. Oh, that would be interesting. Wow. Hmm. And tell me, scribed, um, what you call it, that you were talking about. That's on the Blind TV website.
1: They have feeds for... They have five different feeds, and they have different shows, and one of them's for science fiction, and they have the original series and the Next Generation and Voyager, and I think they've got Deep Space Nine up there, and they all have... They're all described. They were done for the Sci-Fi Channel, apparently, at least the original series were, and the Next Generation, too. They have British... the, The guys who do it are British um that british accent so i don't know if they got these from the bbc or what but they said they were done for the sci-fi channel but they're they're the original shows uh but they have the descriptions they don't step on the dialogue but they jump in when they have you know when there's quiet spots or when there's action scenes and they uh they describe them i you know i don't personally, uh it's right around supper time for us so i don't know if we get don't get much of a chance to see them but I've seen a couple of them and actually got a couple of things that I didn't know about uh you know in the um in in the series but I don't get to see them most of the time
6: I we, didn't even know about that and I'm right here he probably didn't tell me because I wouldn't get my my bookshare work done I'd be listening to those cuz I was a very serious trekker I used to go to conventions and um, I used to have Star Trek weekends where my house was just packed, and we would watch on video cassettes we'd watch the episodes and it might take us two hours or more to watch an episode because we constantly put it on pause to to discuss and watch it o- you know watch <laughs> a scene over and over again and um it 's so much fun to watch with other people and and mary um those do, Are those podcasts available, like, in reruns, or if you miss them, are are they just gone?
4: Nope, you can get them on the website. You can download them, Um, missionlogpodcast.com or net. I forgot. I should know that. But it is Mission Mission Log Podcast altogether. You can do a Google search for it, and you can grab whatever you want to grab off of that site Uh, they come up with some real interesting discussions as two guys that talk about this stuff (laughs) And, and uh yep all 79 podcasts are up there
1: i am not janice lester
4: and that was the one they did today all about janice lester and how she was wanting to take over kirk's job and uh she didn't like being a woman and all that kind of business they didn 't think too highly of that episode, unfortunately, they thought that
6: was one of the worst. Um, William Shatner had a terrible cold when he was shooting that one, and he really thought you know was interested in the acting job, you know portraying himself in you know in that other characterization, but he was very sick at the time
1: i don 't know. I thought it was a pretty good episode i I, I enjoyed it. <laughs>
4: I think the one episode that they hated above all of the others was Miri. <laughs> they just couldn't stand Miri. I don't know if it was because of the the uh, visual stuff, or um, maybe they didn't like having the kids running around making fun of the um, adults or whatever. It was it was strange, but that was one episode they just couldn't
6: stand. We always thought that the worst one was Fox brain. when. When she says something like "brain and brain," what is brain?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, actual actors thought that was one of the worst ones. Also, the one about Eden. Um, I remember hearing on a show somewhere many years ago that they thought that was a bad one, also because they changed characters. I mean, they Spock turned into this hippie guy, and Chekhov was the real conservative. Uh you know, stodgy guy, and and he was never like that. You know, Chekhov was not that kind of guy. They, they they just, they really messed up the characters in that story. That It wasn't one of my favorites either, but...
4: Yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff happened in the third season because a lot of the good writers were gone, and Roddenberry was kind of pretty much out of the whole thing, and they had a whole different producer, and that made all the difference but fortunately things get better with next gen and on and on of course i also liked enterprise I don't, a lot of people didn't like the enterprise series but it, it, oh, it had some good moments i
1: think but i from the third season though i liked the empath i just i mean there are holes there are plot holes in it big enough to drive the whole starfleet through but still i like that episode and it's one of the hardest to follow if you can't see and i haven't seen it a- I haven't heard a descriptive video of that one yet, but it's it's one of the hardest. But it just, it gets me kind of emotional, you know, even, even though, and and I like the music and it. A lot of it's not in other shows. Some of it is, but some of it isn't. Um, I don't know, for some reason, uh, that show just really, but my favorite episode is Aaron De Mercy," the one about the Organians. I thought that one was just great. That's the one where you first meet the Klingons, too.
4: Yeah, those two were were on my top 10 also. I think my favorite was the Tribbles. I love to see <laughs> the bar scene. That was so funny. <laughs> and Kirk has really given him the what you know what and saying Scotty, He didn't you didn't hit them when you when they started putting down the captain and that kind of stuff, you know. And then finally, <laughs> Scotty has to admit why he got mad. Um, but I, I liked that. I liked all the tribbles kind of rolling around all over the ship.
1: And I liked Harry Mudd, too. Oh. I thought he was funny. I just thought he was just, you know, uh, he was a scoundrel, but, yeah, he was still funny.
6: An interesting thing about the empath is that you know they they didn't have a good budget um, that's one of the reasons the aliens might not have been as creative because you know the aliens in the book that we read uh, Doctor's orders, just think how they were they were assembling buildings and disassembling and changing shape. that would have been so difficult in the sixties to try to to you know create those effects, but the impact was done with no stage settings it's it's all in the dark and it reminds me a lot of avant-garde theater where they you know act a play with no costumes and no settings um um, it's dark and there are just spotlights um illuminating um the scenes so that made it very interesting and one of the things that might have made the children a little unpleasant more than they would have been from the script in miri was that a lot of them were not professional actors. they were relatives of the, <laughs> of, the, of the people involved in the show. Yeah, bonk, bonk.
4: Wasn't that the one that had uh, Belleye's son in that or was that another, was that the one with the children and the friendly angels where they had uh, Belleye's son, Belleye the, the lawyer, the attorney, whatever
5: he was? It was the one with the friendly angel. And um, I hate to bring this up, but can we decide what book we're going to read, because we're running close to out of time.
4: Well, I had a thought on that. I was looking at uh, Evan's list, and I thought Blood Music would be a really good one to read.
1: Oh, okay, because you mentioned looking forward to reading Childhood's End again, so I kind of thought we might do that one, but you know, I'm up I'm up for that. Um It's been several, quite a few years since I've read that. Um, It's, I think it's a great, have you read it?
4: I read the novelette when it appeared in Analog originally, I think that's where it was. And I started to read the book, and I kept getting distracted reading other stuff, so I never really finished it. Looked at the end, and it didn't make much sense, because I hadn't read past the first chapter, so, so that's why I was suggesting it. Um... It's Let's just say it's an unusual story about how um, a certain, I don't know if you'd call it a bacterium or virus or something, gets loose and does some interesting things to humanity. Let's just put it that way.
1: Well, the ending didn't make sense because the world had changed so radically from the beginning. Uh, basically, these cells, he calls them neocytes uh, from... Noosphere, Teilhard de Chardin's phrase, uh, and and they learn to communicate with each other, and they evolve, and they basically take over, and uh, basically everybody gets turned into uh, well, their 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 minds survive, but their physical bodies don't, um, and we see the point of view from a couple of different characters. Uh, who get left behind and I think the author has to do that I, I guess he chose to do that to show us what's going on otherwise there wouldn't have been anybody to show it from um, and he does have uh, one guy who uh, hides in a tank in Europe who's studied because this these cells seem to stop at American at the, at the borders of the American continent for a while and then uh but he carried them over and they sealed him and he and, they, and he gradually changes and he describes that and that's really one of my favorite parts of the book but the ending is really poignant i thought it was it was a great ending and but it's one of those real transfiguration kind of books if you're if you like those and obviously you can see from my list that i do
2: okay so do we have information name uh, is it on the board and if so the number
4: it is on BARD, and I'll get the number for you, because I've got it on my,
0: on my uh, drive. Is it by chance on Bookshare? I'm into reading Bookshare books, because I can read it uh, in Braille. <laughs> well, I'm sure
1: it's up there, but I don't know. Um, I put up a Greg Bear book there, uh, City at the End of Time, but I didn't put up Blood Music, or did I? I can't remember now, believe it or not. Uh, you'd think I'd remember something like that, but I don't. Um. anyway it's up there I'm pretty sure it's up there I can check though if you want
0: I'll check I can't check it right now but I will
1: any other ideas of books
0: Um,
4: blood music is DB63627 Just and it's about oh, 10 and a half hours I think it's 10 hours 45 minutes I could be wrong say the
2: name one more time
4: Blood music, B-L-O-O-D, next word, music.
1: Very good, thank you. Well, if no one has any other ideas, then you forced me into it. We will read Greg Bear's blood music for next week, I mean next month. Uh, next month, I guess. Um, our meeting will be on March 13th again?
4: Yep, I'm looking at my APH calendar, and it says Thursday is the 13th.
1: Right. This is a. This is 2014, so it's not a leap month. So we still have 28 days in February.
6: And Marie, it's good to have you here. Yes, I hope Marie. Come back. Hey, I hope you
1: come back. I, if you like our next book, and if you don't, well,
6: come back and tell. Come us. back
1: and tell us you don't like it, and 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 uh, and pick a suggestion. Try to come up with a suggestion. Everybody makes suggestions here, and we we generally pick from people's. You know, we we you know nobody decides, you know, we've got this thing at our library that's a speculative fiction and a mystery group and the one person decides what everybody reads every month and she has these peculiar tastes And but we, we don't run things like that around here. We don't like it.
4: Should we mention the email list for this group? Because there are people who listen to this on podcast.
1: Uh, the email list is SF... Club at emissives.com, E-M-I-S-S-I-V-E-S. Um, Mary, they have to send a message to, uh, well, you better give them that address.
4: Um, if you want to subscribe, you can do that by sending a message to sfclub-subscribe at emissives.com. And I have it set up so that I will be able to subscribe you, but I have to approve it. But I'm usually on the PC all day, so that should work out.
1: Lissy just subscribed today, so she's our latest member of the list. So she'll get everything that we send from now on, my sweetheart.
3: Thank you for having me. Good night, everyone. Okay.